This podcast may contain graphic and or explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners, especially kids like me. <laughs> Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Real Life Podcast brought to you by the Thin Blue Line for Women. In this podcast, We open up and talk about real-life issues as they relate to first responders. It's raw, it's real, and it's about time. I'm Tamara, your host. Thanks for joining me. I want to announce that the Real Life Podcast is being listened to in the following countries. Of course, the United States, Canada, the United Kingdom, the Philippines, Argentina, Australia, and Sweden. It makes me really happy to know that all of these episodes are being listened to in other countries. It makes me very happy. I'm grateful. So thank you all for listening. In our next episode, I'll be talking to Terry Armenta, who is the owner and director of Forensic Training Unlimited. Her Forensic Science Academy program has been recognized as the premier training program completely dedicated to students who are launching their forensic career. The Academy offers specialized hands-on training modules in basic and advanced crime scene investigation, forensic photography, fingerprint identification and classification, crime scene management, and coroner investigations. Instruction is offered in the form of weekend workshops, online courses, webinars, and seminars. Training at the Academy of Forensic Science will give students the competitive edge employers and agencies are looking for when hiring. Past graduates are now working as crime scene investigators, private investigators, forensic pathologists, coroner investigators, forensic nurses, forensic accountants, and criminalists. The courses are taught by forensic professionals who are experts in the field and hold membership in the International Association for Identification and other professional forensic organizations. For more information, visit ForensicScienceAcademy.org. That's ForensicScienceAcademy.org. Before I start this bonus episode of Q&A, I want to thank some very important people for supporting the Real Life Podcast monetarily. I would like to thank Kelly, Ann, Cammie, Katie, Ron, and Paul. Your monthly donations are very helpful. I'm using a program called Squadcast and they do charge every month to um, record my guests. So. It's very helpful. I really appreciate it. I'm not in this podcast to make money. I'm in it to have fun and to be hopefully informational and educational. And, you know, I do want to have fun with everyone. And I just really appreciate the monetary donations from those people. So thank you again from my heart. I really do appreciate it. If you would like to support the Real Life Podcast, you can do so from the anchor link that I post often with the episodes. There's a box. Um, that says support and there's a dollar sign in it. So you just press that 
and you can make monthly donations for as little as 99 cents a month and you can cancel at any time. So it's um, really helpful. And again, I really, really appreciate it. All right, here we go. We are in episode nine, and this is a bonus episode filled with questions and answers uh, from me. I asked everyone on Facebook and Twitter to ask me some questions, and here they are. So I'm going to answer them as best as I can. Uh, I haven't even looked at these. I haven't haven't, um, typed any answers out, so I'm just going to go off the fly and go off the cuff here. So let's see. Uh, the first one is from Sarah Jewell. Um, she asked me, what made me want to be in law enforcement? Oh, gosh. Um, let's see. Then Alma asked another question that's very similar to that. Alma with the yellow flower in her hair. Hi, Alma. Um, Alma asked, how old was I when I decided to work for law enforcement and why did I choose the career? So I think that goes hand in hand with what Sarah's asking. So I'm going to answer those together. Um, (laughs) Okay. So we have to start way back when I was in the military. When I joined the military at age 17, I went in when I was 18, a year later after I signed, And I did not go in guaranteed jobs. So they threw me in the security police field. Now, back then it was security and law enforcement. They were separated. The security police worked the flight line and the law enforcement worked in the patrol cars and at the front gates. So I was just thrown into that job. Um, Didn't ask for it at all. Had no idea what it was going to be about. And that's what I did for four years in the military. Um, so that's, that's what got me into law enforcement. And then when I got, when I got out of the military, I worked three more years in the reserves while I just worked like a part-time job somewhere else. And then I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I was 26 and I thought, okay, it's time for me to get off my behind and find a career for the rest of my life. So my brother was a deputy at the time and he said, just go and take the test and see what happens. I'm like, all right, fine, I'll just go. And 20 years later, <laughs> here I am. So that's what happened. I was 26 when I went in the academy. It was six and a half months long. And I worked 20 years in the department, 15 of which were CSI, promoted to sergeant in my last year and a half. And retired and moved to a beautiful Tennessee. So those are, those are your questions, Sarah, about what made me want to be in law enforcement. I didn't want to be, I just ended up in it and ended up loving it. And I was 26 to answer Alma's question. I was 26 when I went in the Academy and I uh, retired at age 46. So it was wonderful. Um, let's see. Alma also asked, is there anything you would have changed about your job? Hmm. Um, I think I, if I could go back, I would probably not work in CSI as long as I did. That way I wouldn't have seen as many things as I did. I would have promoted to sergeant a lot earlier. Um, because when I did promote to sergeant, 
I went to the jail and I had the best job ever. I had the best bosses, the best job. I was the administrative sergeant for the entire jail. And I was also the PREA sergeant. That's Prison Rape Elimination Act. Uh, I got our jail ready for audits. And I, I'm telling you, I loved, loved, loved my job. I mean, it was the best. But unfortunately, I also wanted to retire because my child was 10 and I wanted to move to a beautiful state and relax. <laughs> um, so I knew that I had to retire when she was young and move her away when she was young. Because once a, once a child turns uh, into their teenage years, you can't move them out, out, of, out of their norm. You just can't do it. I think it's more difficult. So I, I moved at the right time. Um, let's see. Alma also asked, do you ever, did you ever have a ride along? Oh gosh. And her, her follow-up to that is if so, did you enjoy the company? Alma, I had ride alongs all the time. Uh, one of my very good friends, Nicole rode with me a lot. And I was the one in the crime scene investigations unit that my sergeant would always put the ride alongs with. So if there were ride alongs, um, from schools or colleges or like family members, uh, they would always, always stick them with me. And I absolutely loved it. Um, and every single ride along that I had, we always did a tour of the morgue always, because if you can't handle walking in the morgue, then you should not work in CSI. <laughs> and I got really good at the morgue. So I, I was able to, through my career, I was able to learn how to block smells out by just breathing a certain way. And, um, I just, I kind of taught them how to do it <laughs> while we were in there. Um, Anyway, I'm going to a different, I'm going to a different uh, question Then that wasn't even asked, but anyway, yeah, ride alongs all the time, loved them. Um, and yes, I did enjoy the company. I enjoyed talking to different people and telling my story and yeah, it was, it was cool. Um, Alma's last question, would you encourage or discourage one of your own children to work in law enforcement? I am going to shock all of you because I think a lot of you are going to think that I'm going to say, oh, whatever my child wants, I'm going to let her make her own decision. Heck to the no. I do not want my child working in law enforcement. I think that today it's way different than it was 20 years ago. Uh, I mean, like night and day, it's way more dangerous now. I do not want her working in law enforcement. She doesn't want to work it anyway. So thank goodness. I'm so glad. Um, okay. Off onto Johnny Socks. He asks, why CSI? Well, if you read my book, which I'm sure you did, um, CSI was getting really popular back back when I was, um, let's see, I think the first CSI show was in 2000, and 99 is when I joined CSI. But CSI was getting really popular and things were happening back then. And I wanted to, I wanted to be that one that that found that fingerprint, you know, that found that piece of evidence to put that guy away. And I knew I can do it. And CSI is also very methodical. It's very organized. And that's just kind of the kind of person I am. I'm really kind of OCD, I guess, if you put it nicely. Um, yeah, I'm, I love, I love my job. I love CSI and see, 
if you read my book, you'll know that when I was at scenes, I just, I tried to just shut all of the emotion off completely and just focus on the job. Just, you know, focus on, okay, there's this evidence. It has to go in order. I have to log it in order. I have to make sure I log it properly. I mean, that you just, your mind is focused on your job. It's not focused on the human side of what happened at the scene. So that's why I chose CSI. Johnny Socks, you also asked when you became a sergeant, were you treated differently being a female with rank? Uh, no, absolutely not. I, uh, I didn't feel that I was treated any differently at all, actually. Um, the only, the only thing I did feel like I was treated differently when I promoted a sergeant was on my department, when people promoted, everyone knew that that, that that person promoted. So they would kind of push their buttons and kind of, it's kind of like a child does, you know, see how much they can get away with. Um, because they know that sergeant's brand new. They know they don't really know everything about being a sergeant yet. So people would push their buttons or, you know, just kind of test the boundaries, test the waters and see what they can get away with. So that's the only thing that I noticed, but no, not because I was a female. Okay, moving on to Marie Maribeau. Um, she asked, what's your favorite movie and TV show? Oh gosh, I said should have researched these before I before I went live. Um, I don't have a favorite movie. I love so many movies. I love comedies. I love romance. Um Gosh, I, I honestly don't have a favorite movie. Some that I can list off right now. I love The Proposal, Ryan Reynolds, Sandra Bullock. I love, love that movie. I love Sweet Home Alabama. Oh my gosh, Reese Witherspoon. The, I, I mean, I can watch those over and over and over and over again. Um, TV show right now, I am hooked on This Is Us, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, even though it's cop stuff, it's, it's comedy cop stuff. And, um, I love watching manifest. I love that show. Um, let's see. Katie asked, what's the funniest thing that happened to you while on the job? Oh my gosh. Funniest thing. I don't think I have a funniest thing. I tripped once. That was so freaking embarrassing right in front of everybody. I remember walking out of this person's house. I was processing for fingerprints and it was dusk outside, you know, just getting dark. And I did not see this parking, uh, block. <laughs> I totally tripped right over it. Very embarrassing. I acted all cool. Like I, like I didn't fall. Yeah, that was funny. Um, I don't have, I don't have any funniest things. Um, Ooh, Ooh, here's one. When I was in patrol training, <laughs> um, I do remember being chased by a dog and I ran so flipping fast. I was in training, so I didn't know that if it was getting too close that I could have maced it or, you know, possibly shot it. I had no idea. So I just ran. I ran as fast as I could. And I ran up on the top of the hood of my car, along with my training officer, by the way, she ran up there with me. And then, um, little did we realize that that dog just wanted to play. <laughs> it wasn't even vicious. Oh my gosh. That was embarrassing. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't think of any more funniest things I can. There's a lot of funny things about my partner, my CSI partner. Oh my gosh. She's going to be on one of these episodes one time. And we are just going to talk the whole time about our career. T 
together because we worked together for eight years. Now she has done some funny stuff that I have witnessed and oh my gosh, you'll laugh your butt off. So wait for that episode because that's a funny one. Okay. Cammie, I have your six. Oh gosh, Cammie, you asked me four questions. Number one, what was your first thought when you got your first case? Oh, did you read my book? <laughs> Chapter one, my first dead body. Um, that's all I'm going to say. Just read my book called Through My Eyes. The first chapter is called My First Dead Body, and you'll read all about my first thoughts when I got my first case. Um, number two, was there ever a moment you thought, I can't do this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, chapter one. Um, yeah, chapter one. That's that's funny that you asked that, Cammie. Did you read the book? I know you read the book. Yeah, I think you did read my book. Um, yeah, chapter one, The First Dead Body, I was so excited to see it. And when I had finished the call, I I swear I felt so depressed for two weeks. It was horrible. And I seriously thought about quitting the department. I, I didn't know if I could if I could do that for 20 years. Um, but I recovered from that and I learned that not every call's like that, not every you know, not even every dead body is going to be like that. It just, that was my first one and it just really got to me. Um, but yeah, that, that first chapter of my book answers those first two questions for you, Cammie. All right, Cammie, I have your six. Also ask me if there is someone who is considering going into CSI, what advice would you give? Ooh. And part two, her follow-up is, how do you keep your emotions in check while working a case? Okay, so I'm going to answer these backwards. How do you keep your emotions in check while working a case? Okay, I didn't do a very good job of that. <laughs> Again, if you read my book, it'll explain all of that. Um, I kind of shut my emotions off and went into a coping mechanism mode throughout uh, many years. Um, I didn't keep my emotions in check very uh, very wisely or healthily. Okay. That's not a word. That's not a phrase. Um, I wasn't, I didn't go about doing it in a healthy manner at all. Um, someone who is considering going into the CSI profession, let's see what advice would I give them? I would say, make sure you keep doing your hobbies no matter what, whatever hobbies you had before you went in the department keep doing them. Have non-cop friends. That is a must because you don't want to be a cop 24 hours a day. I understand you are a cop and it's honorable to be a cop. I'm not saying that it's not. I'm saying that we're human beings and we have to have human lives, human interaction, human fun. <laughs> so that's my advice is keep your hobbies, keep non-cop friends, and make sure you talk about your scenes to anybody that will listen, because if you keep those bottled up inside, you are going to have problems later on. All right, Cammie, I have your six last question. You asked me, what do you think is the biggest misconception of CSI? Oh, gosh. Okay, here's one of them. It's one of my pet peeves. Whenever I'd go to a, a burglary or even a robbery, just a fingerprint call, and there was a layer of dust on something, they would always, you know, say, hey, hey, come here, come here. I see this big, huge fingerprint in this big pile of dust. Okay, that's not a fingerprint. 
It's an impression. It's just a round mark <laughs> where someone had touched. There is way too much dust there to leave any oils behind on the surface. So that was one of my, my biggest pet peeves. Um, and that's the biggest misconception. People think that just because you touch something, you're leaving a fingerprint. That is not true. Sometimes you don't have enough oil in your hands. If you wash your hands like we're doing now with this COVID-19 going on, I guarantee you, you probably don't have any oil left in your hands <laughs> to leave a print anywhere. Um, I'm kidding. You, you do have some, but I'm just saying that there's, you know, you, you don't always leave a print every time and you don't leave full prints anyway. You leave partial prints or I mean, when you're opening like a doorknob, you're smearing your own print. So it doesn't really leave one. Th those, those misconceptions, they, they were my pet peeves. Okay. Wow. Last question. Back the Blue Dawn asked if I'm going to write any other books relating to my career. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, no, no. The only reason I wrote that book was because when I retired and moved to Tennessee about mm, approximately six months later, I would say, I just started thinking about all my scenes that kept popping into my mind. I kept seeing people that resembled homicide victims and it just, it was weird. Like things just kept popping in my head and I was having just weird, like flashback kind of memory things happening. And I was just researching online how to make that stop. And one of the articles um, that I read said to just write things down. When you write things down, you're using a different side of your brain, a different part of your brain. And I thought, well, that's interesting. So I just started writing and, and all of a sudden I had, had written just these small little tiny uh, chapters about different scenes that I was having problems with. And I thought, you know, maybe I should put this into a book form and, and get it out there so other people can read it and a know what law enforcement deals with. Not only the CSI people, but patrol people have to go to that call first. They're the ones that get the call for service, the 911 calls. They're the ones that have to go to that scene first and, you know, make it safe and put up the tape and make notifications and call people and, you know, deal, deal with anything violent that's going on at the time. They're the ones that have to go first. So patrol and CSI, there are so many people involved in, in these cases. And, um, so anyway, th that is why I wrote the book is to hopefully, um, educate the public on what cops really go through. And then also, maybe to help a couple other, you know, hopefully not just a couple, but hopefully a lot of other officers that are struggling with the same scenes, the same, the same flashbacks, the same things popping up in their head, you know, and to know they're not alone, that that, that is natural. It's normal. It happens, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't plan on writing anymore. <laughs> I'm done. I'm, I'm so over it. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to write anymore because writing it, I had to really dig deep and, and get it all out. And I just, ugh, I don't want to do that anymore. I, I think that writing the book was very therapeutic. Um, and I think that I'm done with that process now. So that's it. And now I have answered all of your questions so far. So I guess that pretty much wraps up this episode. Um, again, I want to thank everyone who's supporting me monetarily. I want to thank all of you who are supporting me by just sharing my podcast, by sharing it, retweeting it, 
listening to it. I really appreciate it. I would like if you guys would click on the link and like leave a message, a voicemail message, and I can play them on the podcast. It would be really cool to hear your, to hear your voices because I see your pictures and I, and I know who you are kind of by just, you know, writing you all the time on Twitter and Facebook, but it would be nice to hear your voices and put, put that with your name. So uh, you might want to consider doing that and I can throw those on some episodes. But um, I just, I thank all of you. These episodes have just flown by. I can't believe this is number nine already. Um, So I guess that's it. Um, Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. And um, I'll have another episode out very soon, every Monday at 7 p.m. I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening. Join me next week when I talk with Terry Armenta, the owner and director of Forensic Training Unlimited. We're going to talk about some cool CSI stuff. See you next week. Are you looking for Thin Blue Line gear? It's available on our website at thinbluelineforwomen.com. That's Thin Blue Line the number four, women.com. Show your support for law enforcement and get your Thin Blue Line gear today. Just click on shop at thinbluelineforwomen.com. The Real Life Podcast was recorded and is being made available by Anchor.fm and its affiliates solely for the informational and entertainment purposes. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions provided and or expressed on the Real Life Podcast are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers, and are responsible for all show content and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the agencies and communities that the guests may serve. Some parts of the Real Life Podcast may contain adult content intended for people who are 18 years of age or older. Please listen responsibly.